Hello, ladies, and welcome to our final lesson in the amazing book of James. And I hope you have enjoyed this study guide book and discussing these questions and what the Lord has shown you each week with your friends in your small group. This week, we have an amazing final section, and James is ending on subjects that matter so much to me that have become so important in my life, and it is on the very important subject of prayer. And can I just tell you, let us pray about everything and not give up. If I could just start and end with that and remind you to pray about everything and not give up. What a joy and what a privilege it is to pray. We're told in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do things that are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to His power that is at work in us. So why wouldn't we avail ourselves of this incredible blessing that we have? Prayer is spiritual breathing. It's essential for our life in God. It is not something we can do without. We have access, ladies, to the very throne of God at any moment, and at every moment. And that is just mind-blowing. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that Jesus lives to make intercession for us before the throne of his Father. Romans 8.26 tells us that the Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself will intercede for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he intercedes according to the will of God, according to the Father's perfect will. How amazing is that? In everything, Philippians 4, 6, we're told, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, we are to pray and let our requests be made known to God. And Jesus tells us, you have not because you ask not. It is just that simple. Pray those big prayers. Pray about everything because we have a good and a generous God who loves us and wants to give us the things that we need. I have found that the more I use this privilege on a regular basis and in a disciplined way, the more I live in joy and contentment and peace. So I'm going to ask you a very pointed question. And this is a question I've been told that if you ask anyone, you're bound to make them blush. What does your prayer life look like? What does it actually look like? Are you just praying over your meals or on an at-need basis? If you are, you're missing out on the invitation to intimacy with the God who created the universe, the God who loves you and longs to have ongoing communication with you. Yes, it is just that amazing. And exploring and understanding and experiencing every part of prayer is a joyful, passionate, and lifelong pursuit. What do you know about the heights of adoration and praise? What do you know about the depth of sorrow when confessing your sins that result in reconciliation or the simple and profound essence of being grateful in the time of thanksgiving, or the joy and purpose of supplication, coming to God with your needs. What do you know of meditation, of contemplation, of the mysteries of God and His holiness and His love? I confess I need to continue to grow 
It is breathing. It is partnership with the eternal purposes of the Almighty God. And each of those that I just mentioned, of adoration, of thanksgiving, of confession, of praise, of supplication, are all parts of prayer. And we see them almost built into the bullet points that James brings out in this passage. We should be increasing in our spiritual lives the enjoyment and the practice of prayer. Why do you pray? Let's think about it for a minute. Learning to talk and listen to God is an essential part and natural growth of a child of God. It's a beautiful thing to watch a baby learn to talk and listen to others, isn't it? Do you remember your child's first words? Was it mama or dada or like Christopher? No. (laughs) Jonathan's first words often were things like sat and he'd point his finger at everything. He wanted to know what that was. Prayer for an infant is very, very adorable, but we don't want to go through life as spiritual infants, do we? Prayer is learning a beautiful language. It's a fascinating and wonderful subject to study in the Bible. Ephesians 6.18 tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And in the verses before us, James hits on the occasions of when we should pray. Let's look at verse 13. It says, If anyone among you is suffering, the word suffering or afflicted, as one translation puts it, is, Are you in trouble? Or are you in difficult circumstances? Hello. Does that resonate with you today? Hardship comes to us daily in small, expected challenges, and sometimes it comes in big, life-altering ways. It can be sudden or it can be prolonged difficulties, but let me tell you, it comes in the oldest book of the Bible. Job tells us, man is born into trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. You ever watch sparks in a fireplace fly? They go straight up. That's as sure as man being born into trouble. Our life is filled with trouble. So what do we do? We learn what James says. If you're in trouble, if you're in a difficult situation, don't just worry or fret or stuff it down, deny it, or vent about it. We're told specifically, pray, express yourself to God like a psalmist does. How about beginning in prayer just by saying, Lord, I'm here. And to be totally honest, this is really hard. Begin like that. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 142, verses 1 to 3. He says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him and tell him my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. God's word to you and to me, to anyone suffering, is pray. Pray is the first resort. Pray is the first response to trouble. A cry, even an unspoken cry, like, Lord Jesus, help, is a great prayer and is heard by heaven and moves the heart of God with compassion. What's troubling you today? Your shoulders are not strong enough to handle it on your own. Have you brought what troubles you to him? You can, and you should. The second time we read John telling us, James telling us, is in verse 13, the second part. And he tells us that in the circumstances of cheerfulness, we are to pray. 
Yes, that's what he means when he says, let them sing praise. If anyone among you is cheerful. Did you hear that? If you're happy when things are going great, when you get the job, when you pass the test, when you receive a sweet card or a compliment or a blessing from whoever, do you see behind that blessing is the blessing of God? Well, you should. James says, if you're cheerful, and that word is if you're glad or if you're in a good mood, sing praise to God. Don't just take the gift and wander away with it. Turn it back as a note of praise. What a gift worship music is, right? I'll never forget that old hymn that was made ever new by Cat Stevens a jillion years ago when he sang, Morning is broken like the first morning. Blackbird is spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing. Praise for the morning. Praise for them springing fresh from the world. Listen, turn up the volume of your praise music and sing. We used to sing a benediction at the end of church. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. No, I will not sing that to you over this microphone. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The words to sing praise means to strike a chord, to celebrate in song. Psalm 150 tells us to praise the Lord, to praise Him in His sanctuary when we're in church, to praise Him in His mighty heavens when you see that beautiful sunset or sunrise. Praise Him for His acts of power when you see Him moving in the, in the sanctuary and in your life personally. Praise Him for His surprising greatness because of who He is. And it says, praise him with a trumpet, with a lyre, with timbrel and dancing. <laughs> yeah, you can even dance before the Lord as an act of praise and worship. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you have breath right now? You should be a grateful and a thankful person. Would you praise him now? Do you remember that old song, count your many blessings, name them one by one? When was the last time you intentionally took time to be joyful and give thanks to the God who has blessed you with so much, even this very next breath that you're about to breathe? The next verse tells us the third situation in which we should pray. It says, is anyone among you sick? That word sick means weak or diseased or without strength. And can I just tell you, there are so many who need a touch and a healing from the Lord. We're overwhelmed at times by the prayer requests that come in daily, almost hourly, for those who, are, who have been diagnosed with cancer, for children who are suffering in hospitals, for elderly saints who are weak and their health is failing. We're told by James, is anyone among us who is sick, we are to pray, and not just only pray individual prayers, but we are told to call and bid for the elders of the church and let them pray over us, the sick one, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. We are specifically told to call for the elders of the church to pray. With illness, we should first follow this very clear instruction on what to do if we are sick call for the elders of the church and anoint us with oil, which is a symbol of the healing work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I must say with illness, we follow those instructions and we pray, but it is always God's decision 
as to whether or not he will work and heal in the way we're asking. We have seen God heal sickness. We have seen God remove cancer, strengthen lungs and hearts and legs. I've also seen God not fit to heal sickness for whatever his reasons are. Jesus prayed three times in Gethsemane, and he fell on his face in prayer and ultimately surrendered, not as I will, but as your will be done. The Apostle Paul prayed three times about a thorn in his flesh, and the Lord's answer was, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Listen, ladies, we don't know what God's final answer will be, what we will receive, But I have seen time and time again, God graciously remove illness and restore health. I remember when Christopher was just three years old and he was so sick that every breath was a cough and a struggle and his fever spiked to 106 degrees and they hospitalized him with viral pneumonia. He was 10 days in an oxygen tent. We prayed and the church prayed and the pastors prayed. And in time, God helped him to recover, and we had our precious little Topher home again. And he grew up to live a very active, strong, and healthy life. But I can also tell you that 30 years later, we prayed, and we cried, and we suffered, and we heard the final answer from heaven about our Christopher. It was a sudden and tragic and final no. He would not be coming home to see us ever again, not on this earth. Why yes to some prayers of healing and why no to others? Do you know what my answer is? I don't know. That is the word I have for you today. I don't know what God's answer will be when we come to him when we are sick and weak or dying. Why some yes and why some no? I had lists of reasons why God should not have said no, and I still do not know why. That I must accept by faith, and I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord will raise him up from death to life on that last day. Although I don't want to accept the answer of no, I do not doubt that one day I will see and understand that all things work together for good to those who love God. And I have seen God do unusual things, and he has brought himself glory, and he has shown us things miraculous things. If it weren't for that sudden wake-up call in Jonathan's life, when Christopher passed from this world to the next, I don't know where he would be. It was a miraculous awakening and a change of heart and life that I give thanks for to this day. This is not a verse that is a blanket formula for healing the sick. Other passages in our word Do not bear this out. The Bible does not say in every situation God will heal. I think specifically of Paul's advice to Timothy to take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Apparently, the great apostle Paul, who did many healings, did not have the ability to heal Timothy and his ongoing digestive issues and prescribed that he would take a little wine, which in a day when the water many times was not drinkable, a little wine would have killed the bad microbes in the water. This passage is a good one for us to remind ourselves when we're studying the Bible not to isolate a single verse and build a doctrine. And we must always compare Scripture with Scripture and look at what the whole Bible has to say to counsel ourselves in that way. 
Let's look to the Lord. Let's do what he tells us to do. Let's pray. Let's call for the elders of the church. And then let's leave the answer in God's hands. The final part of verse 15 is the fourth category of when we should pray. It says, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. The Greek text says, if they have ongoing issues with sin, they will be forgiven. This verse seems to imply that not all sickness can be brought on by sinful lifestyle choices, but some can. Persistent disobedience to God can result in sickness. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we have a choice to live and respect the bodies that God has given us or to ignore that and abuse it. It's been said more have died from food than from poison. Ongoing disobedience to God, violating his commandments, persistently violating what God is showing us specifically we should be doing, can result in illness. And that is a result of willful disobedience and sin. Ongoing sin will have its repercussions in our life, and some of them are physical. Last year, I suffered symptoms that sent me to the ER. And you know what my final prescription from the doctor was? I needed to drink more water, eat more fiber, and exercise more regularly. God could have healed me, I suppose, but instead, he gave me a warning. More water, more exercise, a high-fiber diet. Okay, enough said about that. But I will quote a wise friend who said to me once, your body will whisper to you, then it will talk to you, and if you persist in ignoring it, it will begin to shout. Pay attention to those whispers. Respect and steward your gift of health and freedom in Christ. Take care to walk closely with him and listen carefully to what he is telling you. The solution to our sin Ongoing, persistent disobedience is to recognize it and to confess our sins, to agree with God. Verse 16 tells us that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, we will be healed. That word for sin here is the word harmatia, and it speaks of missing the mark, like, a, like an archer shooting at a target. You miss the mark. You miss the mark of perfection in your life. You sinned. What should we do? Confess your faults, your failings, your mess-ups. Don't sweep them under the rug. Private sin requires private confession, but public sin requires public confession. And here we are told to confess our faults to one another. And we're not talking about airing our dirty laundry for everyone to see, but we should be quick and not delay in asking God for forgiveness or others to forgive you as well. Delaying or denying sin is like when we're ignoring our body whispering. The Holy Spirit is whispering. He's talking to us. Is there some area of your life in which you are persistently going the wrong direction, thinking it doesn't matter? Maybe it's a small sin. Let me tell you, daily, daily confess your sins to God Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and ask him for forgiveness. Because you know what? The quicker that you sense that break in fellowship with him and that break in fellowship with someone else, and the quicker you deal with it in confession and repentance, the healthier you will be spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. 
Remember those nine words that will save your marriage and probably all other relationships as well. We should never be afraid to say these nine words. I am sorry. It was my fault. Please forgive me. As we close this section, James gives us prayer as a hope when we look at the case study in the life of the prophet Elijah. We are told, first of all, that he was a righteous man. Now, that doesn't mean he was a perfect man. We are told that he was a man just like we are, and yet he prayed. If you want to see more clearly how great of a prophet he was and how also he was a true human being with fears, discouragements, depression, fatigue, isolation, you will see that in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And yet we read, Elijah had his prayers answered. He was a man like you and me, and yet he prayed and he prayed again. It's not how perfect our prayers are or how perfect we are. We pray to a God who is bigger than we are and to one and through one who is perfect. His grace and power are such that none of us can ever ask too much from him. Elijah prayed fervently for God's will to be done, and he did it. And he prayed persistently, James tells us. He prayed, and he prayed again. My encouragement to you is don't stop praying with all prayer. And lastly, we pray for someone who is wandering from the truth. Do you know someone who is wandering from the truth? That picture of drifting. This is speaking of someone who is a believer, who is gradually moving away from the will of God. Go after them in your prayers. Go after them in a practical way. Listen. Ask questions. Tell them you're always there. Help them by seeing things clearly. Show them a better way when they're not thinking rightly. And keep reaching out to them in your love. Don't stop going after that one who is wandering. Bring them back. Win them back. For love covers a multitude of sins. So in closing, ladies, let's pray with all prayer. Let's explore what adoration, confession, supplication, and thanksgiving really is. Let's pray at all times when you're suffering, when you're cheerful, when you're sick, when you're struggling and caught in sin, or when you see someone drifting away from the truth. Pray. And we're told, pray on our own. Pray individually. Pray with one another. Prayer partners with your friends in your small groups. And pray and call for the elders to pray over you. Pray for one another and confess your sins to God, letting Him remove those things from your life. Commit yourself today to a complete and full prayer life. Explore all the postures of prayer, all the ways of prayer. Pray through the scriptures. Pray and journal your prayers and your answers. Remember to give thanks to God when he has heard your prayers and reflect back on the ways in which he has shown his faithfulness. Consider ways to pray with each other during this season. Set up a Zoom call with friends or members of your small group. Let's pray as a family and let's invite others to join us on this journey of prayer. I hope this is ministered to you as we close the book of James. There is a lot to pray about in our lives. Let's not neglect this great privilege. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises 
that you hear us, that you live to make intercession for us, that the Spirit groans within us with groanings that are in alignment with the will of your Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us now, that you don't leave us on our own, but that you are hearing our prayers and you are working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Be with us this day, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, working, driving, doing laundry, sitting by the by the table with our cup of coffee. Lord, wherever we are, we just pray that we would find ourselves in alignment with you and praying those prayers that we ought to pray. Thank you for this beautiful privilege. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.